so um so i think like the the most interesting thing that i want to talk about is probably how we didn't find out that you actually were like low-key reddit famous until like months after you started working for p2 and then it was just like a very casual conversation where it came up and we were like wait what Tyler's like Reddit famous on these bodybuilding forums. So I actually need you to tell me more about this because I don't think I've ever actually gotten the full story and like the scope of it. So like, what is the the secret Tyler Reddit fame? Like what happened with that? So it's not a secret. It's just that you guys didn't know. I think actually it came, <laughs> it came out actually the last time that we recorded a, like a podcast. Um, that was That was the conversation we were all having. It was you and me and Chris and Danny. Um, but regardless, we were, um, or I used to frequent the bodybuilding subreddit on, um, on Reddit. My username was Ty Ty Thunder. If anyone wants to find me, um, I'm still on there infrequently, but I'm still on there. <laughs> um, but I just posted a lot in there. I commented on the daily discussion forum a lot. I would comment on all the other, um, posts. And then anytime I had a show or something, I would post sign of kind of a recap of how it went and stuff because everyone was curious because it's pretty much men it's an entire forum of basically men and then some figure in women's physique ladies and then like the random bikini girls I was like one of two I think at the time so everyone always wanted to know how it went how like the judging went and all that stuff so I started posting you're fine <laughs> I started posting and I posted my overall win um in it was night of champions in like 2017 or something like that in Spokane. Okay. And I posted my overall win. And one of the mods reached out to me and was like, Hey, can we use this picture for our sidebar? Which is just like the first thing you see when you go onto like the Reddit website, it's just like sidebar. Whenever you get to like the subreddit, yeah. it has like the pictures. Um, and it was just me for a really long time. Uh, <laughs> for some reason it was like me. And then underneath that was like one of the other mods who had just done really well at nationals. So it was just like me and some dude um for um, for months it was i was there for a hot minute <laughs> were, were you ever mod then no but i'm still friends with all the mods i still have like i'm in a discord with a couple mods and i'm in a secret group chat <laughs> as well with a couple the, no that's actually funny because now that like definitely explains your familiarity and your comfort with like discord since we have like moved and migrated all of our client communication over discord from like what we were trying to do before and now that you're in charge of our discord, basically, like it just makes so much more sense since you grew up in like Reddit sub forums. But so that would have been, you said 2017. That was when I won that show. I started in, or no, it wasn't even 2017. It might've been like 2015 or 16. Um, Cause I started competing in like 2012 or 2013. Yeah. And then I won my first overall in like 2015. I think it was, it might've been 2015, but yeah, I was around then. So it's been a minute. <laughs> So before Reddit, were you on like bodybuilding.com or anything like that? Nope. I actually was not familiar with it at all. Uh, people would link it yeah. for other discussion things. But so I kind of knew how to navigate it a little bit, but I never posted or anything like that. What was like your motivation to go on Reddit? First of all, was it just to like become, I guess, more ingratiated with other people that were also like-minded? Was it to learn? Like what, what was that first like impetus there? So right off the bat, it was initially because my roommate at the time was on Reddit a lot and said it was a cool website. And then I was just like, okay, so what is it? And she kind of explained it to me. That's how the name Tai Tai Thunder happened because like, I didn't know what to make it. And she was like, make it Tai Tai Thunder. I'm like, okay. So I made my account and I started off on Reddit, just kind of 
perusing like random things. I didn't know that there were subreddits for pretty much everything. And then I came across the bodybuilding subreddit because someone posted Arnold or something and it came up on the front page. Um, and bodybuilding is almost never on the front page, but then I, I was like, what the heck, there's a bodybuilding subreddit. And then I started like kind of poking around in there and, um, then I just made it part of my front page. And now I just poke around in the DD and I talk to all the random bodybuilders and there's a lot of interesting people in there, <laughs> but yeah. it is nice to have a place, or it was really nice at the time to have a place where, um, it was people who understood, did the same thing. Even if it was a bunch of dudes, like it, they were still people who understood who, and the, the mods and everybody always had my back because I was one of the three girls that was like there frequently. So I felt safe enough in that particular subreddit, as opposed to like the XX fitness subreddit, which got really toxic sometimes. And so, because I felt safe in this, in the bodybuilding subreddit, I was just like, I just kind of made it my Reddit home, I guess. So like, I never was on Reddit for like bodybuilding. I mean, I've scoured Reddit before and I'm familiar with it, but I, whenever I was in high school, used to frequent like the bodybuilding.com forums. So like, I have no idea how similar or dissimilar those are, but I remember back then there were a lot of really interesting personalities on the bodybuilding.com forums that then ended up becoming like pretty well known in the industry. So like, I remember like Lane Norton was huge back then. I'm pretty sure he was a mod for a while. Like Alan Aragon was a mod. Like he was really popular on the bodybuilding.com forums. I want to say like Brett Contreras was on there too, but like, these were like really early days of like them posting and them getting notoriety. And it was like very weird to see them eventually like get popular, like nationally popular. Like these people were very, very well known now. And not just for them posting as like a semi-anonymous person on a forum, you know, but but I I used that a lot whenever I was in high school to like learn and Mm -hmm. to try to figure out more of like, I guess like the, in the trenches knowledge and like the more anecdotal stuff that I was also still kind of putting together whenever I was, I guess, like, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old in high school. And then later on, I obviously went to school for, uh, for like exercise science. So like, that was what I was in college for. So I put like the more research based stuff together later on, but like my initial education, I guess you would say was really through like forums. And it was, it was really through me, like reading through people interacting, people talking, people like spouting ideas back and forth and having those kind of like go out into like the public domain. And then there's just like this back and forth conversation about whatever idea that was, whether it was a shitty one or whether it was a good one. Um, and I actually really liked that, you know, and I also liked the fact that it was like that pseudo, like pseudo anonymous aspect where like, you don't have to put yourself, your name out there. You can, that was good and bad, right? Because some people yeah. use that as a way to troll and a way to like talk down to people and be like shitty, but in a lot of other ways that that allowed people who would otherwise have been too nervous or or like introverted or soft spoken to like really put something out there that they were curious about that that gave them a platform to like ask questions right. whereas you know in a classroom setting those people might not have been comfortable enough to ask questions and like to be the center of attention so i i did really like that um and i also liked how in a lot of ways outside of the trolls and outside of like, you know, the shitty people, like the the communities did really develop in those areas and kind of, I think that's very different than in person. And then what you build as a community in real life, like the online communities mm-hmm. are so different and in a lot of ways closer, which I find extremely odd, you know, but yeah. that, 
that was, you know, over 10 years ago. And I think things have gotten even, even more pronounced now where like you can have online communities that are more tightly knit than like the, the relationship you'd have with your neighbors in real life. And yeah, there's definitely like relationships and stuff that I had built and that they still remember me if I do pop my head in and whatnot. Like there are people who, if I pop my head in, they will ask like, oh, how's this? How was the move? Like, how did this go or whatever? Because they just remember me. And I remember some of them as well because they've just been around for freaking forever. And um, definitely I'm really cultivated some relationships that you don't expect just because like you said, it's online. So it's like anonymous and some people stay completely anonymous. They will show physique pictures without faces and without tattoos and all of that stuff. So that they're completely anonymous. Um, I didn't, <laughs> but everyone else, like, I don't know. It seemed like there was definitely a community that there's like a select amount of people that like, there's a community that everybody like remembers them and you kind of keep in touch with them elsewhere um and then there's always the trolls which <laughs> we hate yeah. but you know yeah well i mean I, I that has like been in a lot of ways like uh what has allowed kind of what we're doing now to be able to take off we're like this understanding that you can educate people like from a distance you can create a community from a distance like you don't have to be in person coaching people to actually make an impact like there are ways to do these things remotely and i i think it was like the community aspect and like the relationship building that was something that I probably outside of just growing up through that period. But like before that, like if, if I would have been, you know, like a, a boomer or something like that, I would have very easily written that off because I'm like, no, you have to be like in person. You have to be mm -hmm. like meeting people in real life. You have to be going into work and building these relationships. You have to see people in person physically every day in order to get close to them. And it's interesting now that like, that's almost the opposite. Where like mm -hmm. seeing people too frequently in person almost makes you not want to see them more, not want to talk to them more. You're like, fuck, I need a break from you. Whereas yeah. online, it is much easier to create that space and then show up whenever you want to, like whenever you actually desire that community. And I think that what we're doing now, it that plays right into it. And it is definitely super helpful for what we're trying to build moving forward. But no, I, I wanted to, to start off on that question because I think that that is a really interesting one. But moving forward, actually, one more thing before you. Move. Yes, let's go. Um, it's just it's funny that you mentioned Alan Aragon and um, all of them and stuff being big on the bodybuilding dot um, com Reddit or forums because um, Arnold Schwarzenegger actually pops his head in to the bodybuilding subreddit every once in a while. He used to pop in all the time. Hi. Really? Um, and he did an AMA with us and stuff like big yeah. names actually do pop in and answer questions every once in a while. You'll see Arnold just like randomly answering people's questions in the dd and it's actually hilarious <laughs> well i actually love that about reddit where like big celebrities will go in there and do like amas yeah i, I have seen those happen with i know that like bill gates did one recently in reddit mm -hmm. um I, I can't remember who else has done like really big time amas before but um but i think that's a really really cool platform to be able to almost have that that public space where anything goes quote unquote, but yeah. you're able to communicate with people who otherwise you would never be able to get close to. Mm -hmm. And you're able to ask them questions. You're able to potentially learn from them. And that's always a really cool thing. And I think that that is definitely a really cool aspect of what online communities have been able to do. So yeah, just the fact that you were Reddit famous is pretty interesting. That's <laughs> a fun fact, but no, what, next thing I wanted to get into was a little bit more background about you. So like, obviously Ty is from Alaska. So that's already a pretty cool aspect. But like, 
with competing, with getting into fitness and like where you are currently, I, I would love to just hear like your own words about like, first of all, living in Alaska, because I think that's fucking dope, but getting into a more niche hobby, I guess, as a start in a place like Alaska, where like you go to a gym, I'm sure that it's not the same feel that you would get from a gym here. So it's a little bit different already, but I would love to hear kind of like that coming up story where like how you actually got into fitness, what motivated you to start competing, what that was like being so fucking far away from the rest of the world, I guess, in a way like Alaska is isolated. Um, but then, like now where we're at, because now you have taken a little bit of a break from stage, which I think has in a lot of ways been difficult, but also good for you because you've been yeah. able to focus on other things. But I would like to hear you talk about currently where you're at, where you are in relation to competing versus like where you are as a coach mm -hmm. and how you kind of intend to move forward from that too. Because I know that we don't talk about this as often, but like what your plans for the future are. So yeah, let's talk about Alaska first. So <laughs> tell me about growing up in Alaska. Uh, it's cold. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, it was nice. I liked growing up there. Um, I don't hate it by any means. I know I moved, but I don't hate it. We, um, I was born in San Diego and then I was, we moved when I was like maybe one. So I don't remember it at all. Um, and I lived in primarily Kenai and then Nikiski. Um, I grew up mostly in Nikiski, which is middle of freaking nowhere. It's solid four hour drive from the nearest big, big town, um, being Anchorage. And then it's like, 40 minutes from like Soldatna. Um, so there's not a whole lot out there. It was really just like the high school, a church, probably like three churches actually, uh, <laughs> um, like a convenience store that had most groceries, but not everything in a post office. And then like houses, that was pretty much all that there was out there. Um, and my graduating class was 30 kids. Um, whole lot of nobody, everybody knows everybody's shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know. It was, it was nice. It was very, it was nice being able to just kind of be with like a tight knit group of people, I think, because uh, being in a city now, <laughs> I realized that like, it's really easy to not have that like sense of being in a community, even if you live next door to somebody, just because it's not like that here. Apparently a Seattle freeze is a thing. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> that's what people say. Um, and I feel like growing up in such a small community made it really, it was really helpful in terms of how to sort of like cultivate closer relationships with people because of being closer to pretty much everybody because you don't have an option. Yeah. So how cold did it get there? Um, what was like a, a common winter and summer temperature? And then what was like the coldest weather that you ever experienced? So in the winter, we usually had a couple cold snaps, um, two or so weeks of minus 20, um, very consistently. You get to a place where at the point after minus 10, it feels like the same and you just kind of <laughs> don't care <laughs> and everything's cold and you're like, well, it is what it is. I actually don't wear like a winter coat hardly ever because I usually am just like, I'll just be fine. I'll run inside. It's not a big deal. Like even if it's minus 30, I'm like, eh, I'll be fine. Um, because I don't. I mean, I'm so used to it. Um, I guess you, you just get used to the cold. Yeah, you really do. It's just like at that point, everything hurts your face anyway. Who cares? <laughs> um, so that would be probably like the normal, uh, the coldest I've seen, I think was minus 37. 
Oh that God. was only for like a day. And that was like the coldest I've had to live through. And that's, coldest- not, that's not including wind, wind chill, right? No, that's not including wind oh chill. It's just how cold it is. Um, the coldest I've seen and been in, but didn't have to live through because I didn't live in that town was in Fairbanks. And it was like minus 55 or so. Um, that was cold. <laughs> oh my God. But like I said, after like minus 10, minus 20, everything feels so dry and painful that you kind of just are like, I mean, it's cold, but what are you going to do about it? Um, in the winter, everybody leaves their cars running when they go inside so that they don't freeze up on you. Like in Fairbanks, where I was telling you it was minus 55, they have um, plugins outside of all the stores so that if you do turn off your car, you can plug it in. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the weirdest thing to me is that people don't leave their cars running. People don't leave their cars unlocked. Like you can leave your cars and shit unlocked at home and it's fine. No one's going to get into it. But here I'm scared. <laughs> so... Yeah, that was probably that. But then like the hottest summer I've ever seen was weird. And it was like 90, which was really, really hot. But that was only one summer. Most of the time yeah. it's only like 80 so, eighty or so. But it was like 97 or something one day and I wanted to die. And Kane wanted to die because no one has AC. Why would you? Yeah, no. And <laughs> so I think that I and I'm sure a lot of other people have like a lot of misconceptions about Alaska and like what living there might be like because we only see really like beautiful pictures of mm-hmm. uh, mountains and snow and glaciers and all of these awesome things and we see like you know movies that depict alaska but like what is something that not a lot of people know about alaska and something that like people typically misrepresent about alaska something that you can think of um especially i'm just staying staying on this topic because i think that the fact that you're from alaska is really fucking dope yeah (laughs) And, and like it just does create a little bit different of like a worldview you know it does yeah I mean, I know that a lot of people probably think that the depiction of um, what is that movie? The Proposal, where it's supposedly yeah. set in Sitka. It wasn't filmed in Sitka. It was filmed in Washington somewhere. Um, so Sitka looks nothing like that. It's never sunny. It's always rainy. Um, it's just like Washington. <laughs> um, but I think that most people picture it kind of like that, where everyone has like a lake and everyone lives like out in the middle kind of nowhere. And there's not like a whole lot of resources. And realistically, if you live near a city, there are resources, you have everything you need. Um, Especially if you can get to Anchorage, like you can get anything. The biggest difference is that we don't have big events. Like we don't have things to do just because people and things don't come up there. So that's probably like the biggest misconception is that people are like, Oh, you guys are always in the middle of the woods. And I'm like, no, (laughs) actually I live like 15 minutes from the highway, but I'm not always in the woods. <laughs> well, maybe I'm thinking about this in the wrong way, but like, are your days and nights thrown off at certain points of the year? Like, is is it yeah. extended daylight, extended night? I guess that I'm so used to that that I didn't even think about mentioning that. But yeah, um, at in the um, height of winter, so right around the um, the solstice, it we will have like four or so hours of daylight four or five, maybe it's like, like I said, I grew up with it. So I don't yeah. even think to mention it, but yeah, for sure. We only have like four or five hours of daylight. It's like Craig, when Craig would go to work at seven in the morning or so, it was like, leave when it's dark, come home when it's dark, because there's only four hours of the day where it's not. And then in the summer, it doesn't get dark ever. It's like, even where I'm at, even though I'm, I was pretty far South in Alaska, um, it's still, did get dusky but it never got dark like it was that point where the sun like just dips below the mountains and it comes right back up that's as dark as it got so it was like dusky twilight and then like maybe half an hour later it was it was starting to get bright again so yeah i mean your days get fucked up you get used to owning um 
blackout curtains, putting aluminum foil in your windows, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so interesting for me to think about like living in a place like that because I've only ever lived in the continental U.S. and like the, the most north I've ever lived is Ohio. But I've also lived in like another place with, I guess you could say like semi-extreme weather, which is like Houston because it was so hot and so humid, but like on the other end of that. And like, yeah, I, I fucking hated living in Houston because of that. I hated sweating, just walking to my car. I hated like <laughs> sitting in my car and it's like 140 degrees in there. It literally feels like an oven. But now like hearing your side where it's like, okay, you can't turn off your car. You have to plug it in to keep the battery. <laughs> like all those things. It's like, that's like so foreign to me in a lot of ways outside of living in Ohio, which it, it does not get that cold. But no, I, I think that's interesting. But like, Going back to like the social aspect of living in Ohio or not Ohio, Alaska, excuse me, um, like the gym situation. I know that you used to live near a badass gym. I did. So I would imagine that gyms in Alaska are probably a little bit more sparse. Like you don't have a planet fitness on every corner, like 24 hour fitness probably does not go that north. Um, but I also could totally see like most gyms in Alaska being fucking dope because they're owned by someone privately. And they just decided to make it this baller place for all of the people that live within like, you know, a 20 mile radius to come there. Right. So like, yeah, kind of the vibe that ends up happening up there, like a pretty interesting like fitness culture. So, yeah, um, where I was located, um, pretty much every gym was privately owned, except for there was one. I think it was Lifetime. It might have been 24 hour. I don't know. It might have been Lifetime or 24 hour. One of the two. But the one that's like that's purple and gray, but that isn't Planet Fitness. I can't remember what which one it is, but you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. You would know as soon as you saw it. You'd be like, oh, that one. My, um, my that one came in at one point. People like it because it's 24 hours and it's kind of cheap and all of that stuff. So um, most gyms are privately owned and therefore much better. That being said, depends on the owners. <laughs> and because it's such a small town, probably know the owners <laughs> and what they stand for. Yeah. Um, so I, one of my friends, Kimmy, uh, competed in like 2011 or 2012. So right before I decided to, um, and she was friends with basically the bodybuilding community at one gym that was being run at one point by a really awesome dude. Um, and it was very, it was similar to the gym that I went to, uh, called iron, um, in a, in some ways in that it was a very bodybuilding centric. They had pretty awesome equipment selection. Um, and it was just kind of like generally a good vibe. Um, that place closed. And one of the guys who was big in the bodybuilding community at the time, his name's Brandon, um, and powerlifting community specifically decided to open his own gym. Um, and because he knew that I was friends with Kimmy, um, he actually came and talked to me when I was in prep for national, my very first national show when I was working at Fred Meyer. And he came up and gave me a business card that was not actually for the gym. It was for his like plumbing business, not plumbing business, um, drilling business. Okay. That and it was like for a completely different business, but he's like, I'm starting a gym. Um, I really want a good vibe there. And I know you're a good person. So have this card and call me if you want to join. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I went to this gym and it was like basically just powerlifting stuff in a storage unit. That's pretty much all it was at the time. <laughs> yeah. And um, it got to be where most people who were in there enjoyed the company, enjoyed the atmosphere and enjoyed Brandon so much that it just started to expand and get bigger and bigger and bigger until it's where it's at now. And it's basically the bodybuilding gym on the peninsula. Everyone fucking loves it there. Like most people who are, 
either starting their fitness journey or want to get into it or are already in it really want to go to iron because they have everything. And it's honestly one of the best gyms in Alaska. I'm not just saying that because I'm friends with the owner. Like <laughs> it's honestly one of the best gyms in Alaska just because of the people and the, um, the amount of like the fact that the owner cares and yeah. that's kind of what you run into with a lot of the gyms there is that the owners do care and they do what they can to make it, um, a good place for, and a place that people want to be for all those members. Um, it's not quite the same as all the commercial gyms here, which is why I'm so averse to them probably. And I go and seek out a place that's much more similar to iron than the places that you could be here. Like I could be going to LA fitness. I went to it once and I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) It's difficult. Like that's one of the reasons why I usually train at private gyms only as well. Like, I mean, I have multiple gyms or multiple memberships to private gyms, but um, like that's always been a difficulty for me is like going to a place that has just kind of like that, I don't know how to describe the vibe of like a, a commercial gym, right? But it's it's definitely different than what you would get at a private gym. Even just like being a bit more restrictive with like the members and like being a bit, I hate, I don't want to say less inclusive. That's not the word that I'm looking for, but but just being more selective, you know, and not just allowing anyone off the street to come in and, and like, you know, start fucking around on the equipment. And that's, that's something that I like. It also does allow, especially like women, like to feel safer in the gyms too, because one aspect of commercial gyms that not a lot of people talk about is just like, there are so many fucking creepy dudes, like so many creepy dudes. Mm -hmm. And they're always like trying to shoot their shot randomly while girls are like right in the middle of their set. And like, I've seen it so many times and it always just kills me, but no, I, I, think that the the gym can have a personality you know like a lot of times it assumes the personality of the owner but if the owner is able to just kind of let it be then it'll assume the personality of the people that go there Mm -hmm. and a lot of times you can feel that right whenever you walk in and you're like i like this place or you're like i don't want to be here i want to go somewhere else you know but whenever you find like the gyms where you're like this is fucking dope place then you want to stay there and you want to continue to training and it's like so much more motivating to be there and to train hard there to be around like the right people and like this is how i felt a few years ago whenever i was at like 614 barbell over here like in columbus like whenever eric my friend who's the owner of 614 whenever he first opened whenever he opened the first location um within like a year or two like that place was just so fucking awesome to train at like no matter what time of the day even if no one other than me was in there i was like i'm just motivated to train today because i'm here like it's just a much better environment for me whereas like now whenever i try and find that at other gyms like it's just so difficult to 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 replicate it you know and maybe it's just my own personal motivation that's like dwindled over time to to be able to like lift heavy and you know like do stupid shit but no just like I think that the gym atmosphere and the gym personality is so important for like what you're trying to accomplish. And like, if you're someone who has lofty goals, you can't be trying to set world records in powerlifting going to LA fitness, you know? And like, if you, if you're really struggling through like extended preps and you're trying to like achieve, let's say like pro status, right. You have to have people around you that are going to be supportive and they're going to be potentially right there along with you. And like on the same journey as you, I know that, um, there were a lot of competitors that that were at the gym with you in Alaska, correct? Like, uh, who? Shit, why am I blanking? Which one, Kimmy or Hunter? Hunter, Hunter. <laughs> I was like, why am I blanking on this shit right now? But I guess it has been a couple of years. But yeah, Hunter, I know 
was was with you for a long time and like that made i'm sure your life a lot easier to, to have someone with you that yes. was also kind of suffering through it but so many um, closing sessions and cardio sessions <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean that's like such an underrated aspect of a gym environment is to just have people that are like-minded to be around you and to be motivating and like like hey i need a spot while i'm doing this today it's like okay cool i know that i can ask this person to spot me because they're in the same boat as me. They're doing the same shit as me. They're just on a different day. They're doing a, you know, a different program, but they're doing the same shit as me. They understand. And I think that's, that's something that is, uh, it's really difficult to replicate that at other places, or even, I don't know how people train consistently hard at like home gyms. I would like, I would struggle if I had, if I had really lofty goals, I would really struggle to train hard consistently at a home gym like it would just be so much easier for me to slack off and like go in and fuck around but there are a lot of people who who like train for like world records at home it's crazy it's absolute props to those people but there's no way not for me either i'm the same way i need the atmosphere i need to be around the people like i need to have people around me who can either spot me or that i just feel comfortable around that and i mean and the people in those like private gyms like the one i go to now is pretty much Iron Asylum copy and pasted to Tacoma. And it's fantastic because it's the same vibe, the same type of people. Like I can just go up to someone and be like, yo, can you spot me? Like, or whatever it is. Like, I don't know. I agree. I don't think that I could, I don't think that I could even have gone as far as I did in my last prep if I was in like a commercial gym, like a normal commercial gym. I truly don't know that I could have because I don't think I would have pushed as hard. Yeah. It it is huge. It really is huge. Like, even just what you said, like having someone that you can trust to just ask for a spot, like that's hard to find in most commercial gyms. It's really difficult. Like not many people know what the fuck they're doing. I'm but, afraid to talk to dudes in commercial gyms. They're always fucking me. <laughs> but but if you if you go to like a, a good private gym, like the majority of the time, like people there are serious. So like yeah. you know that you can pretty much ask anyone for a spot and they're not going to kill you. You know, exactly. so like that's, that's important. But um, no, I, I definitely want to bridge back over to what we were talking about a second ago with like whenever you were prepping, whenever you were competing. So like you mentioned that you won the overall in the night of champions. That was what you said, 2015. I think it was 2015. I'd have to go back and actually look at the dates. But yeah, I think it was 2015 or 2016. When did you start competing? I started I started lifting to compete in 20 like late 2012, early 2013. And then I actually did my first prep. I think I started it early 2014. Okay. So mm-hmm. at it for a while. Been, yeah. It's been a hot minute. <laughs> and your last show was 2021. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> think about that. Yes. So, so let's, let's go through the, the progression of events, right? So first competed. Do you remember like all the shows that you competed in? Yeah. So yeah, let's, let's walk through these and let's also walk through the placements that you had in each one. If you can remember that, let's go. Start start from the bottom. Starting from the top. First show was Night of Champions in 2014. Um, I won my class and I was, I think, second or third overall. Um, It was a different time. (laughs) It was when the bikini back pose was taking a hip. Um, There wasn't a whole lot of muscle in the backside in bikini. Uh, so I pretty much lucked out in that I was 115 pounds sopping wet of basically just skin and bone and little muscle. Uh, <laughs> looking back. So, yeah, that was my first show. And then I took a very, very, very short off season. It was not nearly long enough. Um, and I say off season, but I literally competed like a day. When, when was that? It was the end of September. 
2014 and then I did the Emerald Cup 2015. Okay. Um <laughs> and Emerald Cup is April. Um okay. or like it's like end of April beginning of May. So it wasn't really an off season. It was like two months of not tracking and then going into prep again. <laughs> um and I did Emerald Cup and I won my class there. Um not even close to the overall. That show is insane. I don't know if you've ever seen or heard of it, but it's nuts. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's insane. And it's always been insane. So I was like, I was shocked to have even won my class. I was just like, I'm just happy to fucking be here, man. <laughs> I don't even care. Like, um, and then I took what I called an off season. It was probably eight months. Um, and I essentially reversed very strictly and then um prepped into Night of Champions again. That was 2015. That was when I won my um overall. Okay. Okay. I got so night of champions again, end of September. And then two weeks later, I did Idaho cup in November in Boise and won my class in the overall again. And then after that, I took a couple years off because I wanted to build to go to nationals. So, um, I, what was that? It was 2015 going into 2016. I know I competed again at some point for no reason. I shouldn't have competed. I didn't need to. Um, but I competed in USA's in 2017, 16 or 17, one of the two dead last, last callouts, not even third callouts, last callouts. (laughs) It was bad. Um, Oh no, no, no. That was Pittsburgh. Just kidding. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, so, so it was North Americans. It was North Americans. I forgot I did North Americans. Holy shit. Um, so yeah, so 2016, I did North or 20, yeah, 2016, I did North Americans. 2017, I broke my ankle. <laughs> I did a powerlifting meet after that. Like once I healed up and stuff, I did a powerlifting meet. Um, you, I didn't and, know that you did a powerlifting meet. Yeah, I did one, one powerlifting meet. I got the, I won the women's overall thing where I was like the strongest woman there, but it was Alaska. There were like six people. <laughs> Like doesn't really mean a whole lot, um, but yeah, I did Pittsburgh and then strong motherfuckers in Alaska. There are some strong. What else is there to do? That's my point. Yeah, that's my point. There's some strong motherfuckers up there for sure. Um, but yeah, I did Pittsburgh and then I did broke my ankle, did a powerlifting meet, then I did USA's in 2019. Okay. So it took a long time off. Okay. Um, I had done the Idaho Muscle Classic to to um, qualify. That was in uh, that was in Boise. And I got second in my class, which I still qualified totally fine. But they said that I was too muscular. I was starting to get to the point where I was too muscular for bikini. (laughs) So I was like, well, shit. Awesome. Um, But for nationals, I would have been fine if I was lean enough. I didn't get lean enough. It is what it is. I was, I got third call outs though. So I didn't at least, at least I didn't get last call outs. There's that. Um, But that was a really hard, like, loss that was the year that um well it was the year before wellness was about to come out so even if you had like a slightly too big lower half they were automatically discounting you immediately didn't look at you were like nope nope wellness is coming you can go to wellness is essentially what was going on and that was my feedback was to go to wellness um until um i started with dylan in 2019 and he was like no your bikini just needed to be like seven to ten pounds leaner he was right. I got nine pounds leaner and that happened. So <laughs> um, he's like, no, you're fine. You're not, you're not going to need to go to wellness. We'll just stick with bikini. And then um, with Dylan, I did 
Alaska show. Oh, yeah. and I won an Alaska show in the middle there somewhere. <laughs> I guess I forgot. <laughs> I won an Alaska show in the middle there somewhere. Then I did another Alaska show. I got second in my class qualified. That's really all I needed. Um, and then after that, I went to Girl Power in Orlando and mm-hmm. won my class there. And then went to Junior USA's and then Junior Nats. And I won my class at Junior USA's and then I got fourth at Junior Nats. So lots of winning my class. <laughs> lots of winning your class. Yeah. So um, I, I definitely want to talk about, first of all, when you started noticing the bikini division changing. So you mentioned that the first time you competed, it was hand on hip back pose. It was, you know, very much that I can go down and see 10 of you at my local beach, right? Mm-hmm. Now you look at girls that are competing at a high level on the national stage in bikini. These girls are jacked ripped they are pushing extremes right so mm-hmm. very clearly changed in the you know decade plus that you've been competing or decade that you've been complete comp- competing so when did you start to notice that shift if you can put a timeline on that i think i noticed the shift around 2016 yeah um that was also when the pacific northwest adopted the the straddle back pose, the normal back pose. Um, and when most people started doing the front pose that you see now, that side pose, essentially, um, it's not the India Paulino, like classic bikini pose anymore. Everyone does that side pose. Um, and that's about when it started to shift, I think, because I remember going to nationals and I was pretty fucking lean for nationals. And at any regional show, I would have been totally fine because I was really lean and I still had some volume in my legs, but they weren't like too, too lean. But the girls who were winning fucking jacked, they were jacked. They were lean as hell. And I was just like, Oh shit, I don't have nearly enough muscle here. And that's why I took a couple of years off to build was because I knew after going to Pittsburgh that I was not even close to ready to be on that national stage. And it only continued to get more and more jacked from 2016. Like now you have to be stupid lean. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Yeah. And that's definitely like where I, well, I came in around what, like 2017, 2018 was when, I, no, more like 2018 was whenever I started really working with like bikini competitors. Um, and I came in after that. So like really all I've ever known is, all right, we have to get you pretty fucking jacked and pretty lean, right? Like that's, that's all I've known. That's all I've had to do, which has been nice for me, at least from like the jacks part, because I haven't had to worry too much about like really holding people back except for a few people, which does suck. And I don't like it. <laughs> But now, obviously, we have wellness. Now we have physique. Now we have figure. There are so many classes where, like, you can find something for your body type without having to really pump the brakes along the entire way. But there are also certain women that really enjoy the posing styles or, like, they enjoy the suits for a specific class or the look for a specific class. And they don't want to necessarily have to, yeah, have to go up (laughs) vision. And for you, like, you were just... From like the last couple of shows that you competed in, like your muscularity was like definitely pushing the the upper limits of the yeah. key, especially for your lower body. Like your, your lower body gets pretty fucking jacked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I kind of just want to touch on like where you were at with those last couple of shows. Mm-hmm. So those last couple of shows, I was with you. Yeah. We were we were there. Um the second to last one was Junior USA's in Charleston, where you won your sh- or you won your class, excuse me, and you were very close to being pro, very mm-hmm. close. And then carrying that over into Junior Nats, 
in was that Chattanooga? Yeah. And then coming in fourth. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, I kind of want to talk about where your headspace was because mm-hmm. going off or coming off of a show where you, in a lot of ways, overachieved, you didn't expect to do as well as you did yeah. at, junior, at Junior Nats. So, you were so close to being pro, but almost unexpectedly. Yeah. And that set you up in a lot of ways. I don't mean to, to say this in a negative way, but to kind of be disappointed yeah. in Chattanooga at Junior Nats. So like, where was your headspace at throughout that entire time? Like, I, I just kind of want to hear in your own words, because I know that what my perception of the whole sequence was, was one thing, mm-hmm. but I want to hear you talk about it because I know that was a really difficult time for you. Yeah. It was. Um, so right after Junior USA's, I was just thrilled to have done how I did. I was just like, holy shit, that was exciting. How did that just happen? I fully expected to get second. And I was like, pleased with having gotten top call out. So I was just like over the moon excited about it. And you're uh, competing against, against Alex Grange, yeah. who is now a pro. Yeah. So yeah. 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 So I, like I said, I fully expected her to go on to the overall and get like third and get a pro card. I was just like, I'm just happy to be here, man. Like, this is awesome. I didn't expect this. I was expecting them to bring both of us out alone, let alone the way that it went. I was just like, okay, well, I like it here, but that's whatever. Um, but at that point, um, I went into that transition phase. It was like, it was not very long. It was like what, five weeks. Yeah. It was short. I remember it was super short. It was not enough time to really accomplish anything other than maybe get a little leaner. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of Dylan's goal. Um, so I went into that next phase and just like, I kind of went back and forth between feeling really good and feeling like crash. And like, I really didn't want to do this anymore because I was like, there's absolutely no way that I can get any better than I did. Like if I get up on that stage and I get less than first place or second place, everyone's going to be mad at me or upset at me. Or I'm going to let everybody down. Like I didn't want to let Chris down. I didn't want to let Dylan down. Like I was terrified that I was going to go up there and, um, and end up placing way worse than first or second, not get my pro card and just disappoint everybody. Obviously that didn't happen, but that's what was in my head. Um, and then I went up there and I got fourth and I remember getting off stage and being really upset. Um, just because again, I felt like everybody, I thought that everybody had this expectation of me and that if I didn't fulfill that, that I was going to be like, I don't want to say shunned, but I felt like everybody was just going to be upset. I was just like, I don't like upsetting people. I don't like disappointing people, letting people down. So I'm just like, I did not want to do that. And I was scared to go up there and get less than what they expected of me. And then when I got fourth, I was just like, well, fuck, like this sucks. I kind of hate it. I don't, I don't know what I should do from here. Um, Dylan was um, as helpful as he could have been. Obviously, he had a lot going on, and so was Chris. Um, so both of them were very supportive and not like mean to me at all. So I don't want anybody to think that like anybody was disappointed in me. Everybody was just like, "We're proud of you for getting up there." Um, so everybody else didn't have the ex- like the um, reaction I expected. I was broken. <laughs> I was fully broken because I just felt like all of this buildup to that show had just like culminated in nothing. Yeah. And that's sort of like what that letdown felt like. It was, it was just kind of like a heartbreaking, like, well, shit, why did I even bother? You know? Cause it's yeah. like, I didn't do any better. So why did I bother? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of competitors have that same 
feeling in that same kind of journey where you get so close. And then just because you get close at one show does not guarantee that you're ever going to get close again. Right. And like, just going back to Alex, like Alex and Lizzie, both, both clients of mine, they Mm -hmm. struggled so hard and for so long to get to the point where they're pro now, Mm -hmm. but like they both had like those just on the cusp moments for like multiple shows in a row. And the shitty thing is, is like you go into each show and you're like, we don't know if we're going to go pro. We don't know if we're ever going to get that close again. Like we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to show up. Mm-hmm. And I know that in your case, like you you may have like overachieved a little bit at, at Junior USA's. And like that mm-hmm. was something that just kind of caught you off guard where you were like, holy shit, like I I can actually do this. Like yeah. I can I can turn pro. And it's not that you you couldn't. It was just that you overachieved and that created like an expectation standard in your head to where you're like, this next show, I have to do better. I have to do just as, as well. When in reality, like everyone else had very modest expectations. We we're all like, cool. Like we know that she's already done absolutely more than we were expecting this year. We're already happy. We're already content. Like we could end this season already and we're we're good. We don't need any more, you know? And it it does suck, like whenever you create those like own internal expectations for yourself mm-hmm. and start to tell yourself stories that like other people also have those expectations for you. When in reality, it's like that's not how it is. So do you find that like now, whenever you have been a little bit more removed, a bit more disconnected from competing, do you feel like now you still have that like. I don't say same fire, but like that same in level of importance on something like turning pro that you did back then? And is it something that still motivates you to want to compete again or to want to continue to training? Or are you more so now just like, you know what, this is cool. I, I enjoy it. I like competing, but now it's just, it's there, but it's not something that I have to do where I feel like it's going to dominate my life. Um. So I think, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I've actually said it publicly, but I don't know if I'm ever going to compete again, honestly. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't know if I will. Um, I don't know if maybe like that last season being such a good season was just like enough for me or, and I'm just like, I did really good. I had my awesome season and now I'm pretty like, I want to coach competitors and coach people who want to, you know, do fitness things, but, and I want to do fitness things myself, but I don't know if I'm ever going to get on stage and show those fitness things off. Um, just because I don't know. I think that it's so, it can be, if you don't have the perfect mindset, a really detrimental thing mentally. And I experienced that heavily. And I think that because of that really heavy, um, sort of, I guess heavy is the word off season that I, that I've, that I had at the beginning of it. I'm just kind of like, I don't know that I ever want to do it again for myself personally. Again, other people do great and they have awesome mindsets and they go into, and they go into every show without expectations, but I can't say that that's me personally. And that's okay. Like everyone's different. And I don't know that that will be me again, but I'm happy to, and I love coaching my competitors. So. (laughs) Yeah. I I think that it's one of those interesting things that something that you used to place so much importance on can slowly like shift into the background. Mm -hmm. And it's been like that for me too, with my own personal training, like I, well, not personal training, my own individual training training (laughs) myself. Um, for me, that was like such a big part of my life for so long where I would 
really think about my own training and I would go to the gym and I would completely disconnect from everything else. And I would be very focused on like my own progressions in the gym and getting bigger and getting stronger. And like, I, I wanted these things and I did place a lot of like mental energy into doing those as well. Mm-hmm. And now I have allowed myself to get more disconnected from that. And I think that it's really created space for me to be more tuned into like work and other things where I can look back on how I was, you know, four or five, six years ago and be like, wow, I really like allowed myself to miss out on some really cool aspects of life because I was so focused on fitness and like maximizing my, my fitness, you know? So like, I know for you now, like you are going to festivals, you're traveling, you're coaching people. Like you have a full-time job in fitness that doesn't involve your own fitness, Mm -hmm. you know? And I don't know if that's, allowed you to find more enjoyment in the space or not or if if that disconnect is somewhat kind of like sad where you're like you know what i i would like to get back to that at some point to find that enjoyment or like that importance again but like where are you right now with that i'm coming out of the other side of that (laughs) yeah where i definitely at one point there was a point in time where i don't know if it was like a mental thing or if it was like actually physical, but I had nothing wrong with me. But every time I went to the gym, I got nauseous and anxious and didn't want to be there. Yeah. It was probably mental. Um, and I would do like two sets of something rage quit and told Chris, there was absolutely no way I was doing anything else. <laughs> um, there were a lot of weeks and actually months where I literally had to force myself to go and I could only force myself to go twice a week if I was lucky. Um, and it was usually upper body because lower body if it's a spoiler alert, if you're actually like pushing yourself, you're going to make you cry. Uh, <laughs> I've cried during leg day so many times. It's not even funny. So it's like upper body. I can go and do like, I can go fuck around a bit and be fine. But the emotional toll at leg day takes sometimes. I, um, no, I definitely had months, months until probably the last couple where I was just like, I don't think I want to do it. I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to fucking do anything. Like, Chris was programming for no reason, <laughs> just for like blank sheets. I was just like, I don't know if I'm ever going to find it again. But I recently in the last month or two have definitely come out of the other side of that where I'm actually enjoying going to the gym. I actually want to go and do the things, even if those things aren't like getting super duper strong or doing like crazy numbers or like super focused workouts for these particular body parts or whatever. Like I can go in. I like going in and doing my 30 minutes to 45 minutes and just being healthy and just getting done. Um, and that's sort of, it's a nice place to be where I'm just like, I can go and enjoy it, but I don't have to go. I don't feel like I have to go anymore. It feels like something that I want to do, but that I don't, I'm not like forced into. And it was feeling really forced for a long time. Yeah. And I've definitely been there before and I still am currently there. I think that I'm like getting more content slowly with where my own fitness is and just understanding that it's, you know what, it it doesn't have to always just be like that dominant aspect of my life. It can be something that's supplemental, but not primary. And I think that was like really difficult for me to understand for a long time where like it had been primary for the majority of my life, at least like the majority of my adult life. And to be able to like open up room for something else to become the primary was challenging. It was, it was hard for me to to allow that to, to happen because I, I, kind of fought it the whole way, you know, where I was like, just expecting there to be some aspect of, of fitness and bodybuilding, and even like, towards the end powerlifting, 
that was like always a dominant presence in my day. Mm-hmm. And now it's not like, it's really not at all. You know, like I, if I want to go to the gym, like I'm going to go to the gym and it, it is a habit now. So like, I, I can't just not go to the gym, but at the same time, like if I go there and I'm like, you know what, I'm just not feeling this shit. Like I'll go fuck around. I'll go do something yeah. that like, I just want to do that day. And sometimes I'll go to the gym and I'm like, you know what, this is a 30 minute walk on the treadmill and roll around on, on a, a foam roller type of day, you know, and that's yeah. okay. That's okay. And I think that like the lack of pressure that I have on myself now is, it is good. And it has been really good for me. Um, and I'm sure that you could probably say the same thing too, where yeah. it's, it's been really nice having, being able to focus on other things in yeah. my day. I mean, I've been with Craig for 10 years. I've been competing for 10 years. Yeah. He hasn't known me outside of competing ever because I basically started right when we started. So I haven't had like a break from it and he hasn't had a break from it because let's be honest, takes a toll on them too. <laughs> it, so it, yeah, it, it is yeah. very challenging to be with someone who competes. And I, whenever I, I first started dating Lex within the first, you know, six months or so, like she was already in prep mm-hmm. and we were living together towards the end of that. And that is not easy. It is not easy. Um, so I, I have experienced both sides of that now. And <laughs> I fully understand the toll that it takes on the partner of someone who is is a competitor. And it, it's, it's a full time job for them too, because they're, they're having to put aside their own selfishness, in a lot of ways, which mm-hmm. is easy for whoever is competing there for their partner. So I I respect the spouses and the partners of competitors a lot, especially the ones that are professional spouses, right? So like they're at every show, they're taking care of all the things necessary to, to alleviate the stress on whoever on their, their partner that's competing, you know, that shit is fucking hard. So yeah, on, on another note, I want to wrap this up with a question before we head out. So I just been posing this to everyone. And I think that it's an interesting thing to kind of like philosophically think about. But if there was one thing in the world that you could do for the rest of your life and you were guaranteed success, what would it be? Kind of similar to the question of the day in Discord today. Yeah, it was. Right? But um, anything you want it to be guaranteed success, it doesn't have to be financial, doesn't have to be professional, it can be anything. Guaranteed success. You have to do it for the rest of your life, though. Man, I don't know. Guaranteed success for the rest of my life. I mean, I said follow Sullivan King on tour in the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not, I mean, I guess you could find success in that somehow. <laughs> There's success. I don't know. The shows are success. Um, gosh, I don't actually know. Probably, probably something to do with, um, man, I was going to say something to do with like a German shepherd rescue or something. Cause they did that growing up. We actually used to rescue German shepherds anyway. Um, so it's something I'm fairly familiar with and that I enjoyed. Um, so maybe something in that, in that realm. No, that's actually awesome. Um, I, I think I was having a conversation with someone a while back with somewhere similar along these lines of like questioning and they said something like a dog rescue mm. and like that for me i think would be like actually super dope like animal rescue dog rescue like being able to contribute in that like i know that we're both dog owners and we both like value our our animals heavily wherever she is 
chewing yes. on something. And I know that German shepherds are often <laughs> fucked by the system. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So are, so, are. So are, so are so are pitbulls. Hey, you get it. Here. Come here, baby. Come here. Come say hi. Come on. Come say hi. <laughs> come on, sweetie. Oh, ben, say hi, baby. Say hi. You're going to be famous. You're going to be famous. Be famous. Come get on my lap. <laughs> Say hi. There you go, babe. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> for being so pretty. Cute. Thank you for being pretty, Finley. All right. Thank <laughs> you so much, Ty. I think we can wrap up on that. Um, any plugs that you want to throw in here before we head out? My Instagram. <laughs> Ty dot basil. <laughs> let, let Tyler coach you. Let me coach you. Yeah, <laughs> I I take, you. She's taking clients. She will coach you. She'll make you a pro in fitness, especially. So yeah, yeah. that's it. All right, girl. Thank you so much. Okay.